0: Welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Identity and Purpose series. Good morning everybody at home and uh, happy mothering Sunday. Well, thank you Sue for a lovely reading. Bit of a long winded but no awkward names, no medical sounding names magic, at, uh, which is lucky really because uh, the friends of the steward knew him as sternocleidomastoid, son of Glutamus Maximus. He was a pain. I had to do that, to, sorry. Now you might have recalled um, last week I was saying about um, quite a few of us, including myself, I, I'm not familiar with all the passages of the Bible by recognizing it by its title. Now, this is a good example. Um, Quite a few months ago, Andy got a number of us all together for the evening um, to talk about sermons that we would all take turns to do. And Andy put on a projector a list of all these uh, passages of Scripture. And uh, one by one, we could shout out which one we would like to do. Well, I didn't really recognize many of the titles myself, to be honest. Once I hear the story, I recognize them, but not by their titles. And uh, one by one, they're all slowly going, bump, 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 bump like that. And um, eventually, uh, Andy said, how about Luke 16, 1 to 15, the shrewd manager? I was like, yeah, right, if you like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, what was up there, I mean, you might as well have had up there Indiana Jones and the long saga holiday. You know, I, I, I had no... I had no idea, and uh, I read it a bit later, and I did mention it whilst having a a drink with a very good friend of mine, and his reaction was, Mm, controversial, controversial, oh, right, okay, so I have to confess that uh, procrastination has played its part before we actually look into this, but eventually I did. And uh, looked at various sources, and it's been very interesting and a big learning curve for myself. So I hope I can do it justice. So, looking at the reading itself, as mentioned before, Jesus had told his audience many parables. So, in verse 1, it is written, Jesus also said to the disciples, which suggests that the parable is linked to the previous three in Luke 15. Now, although this parable was for the benefit of the disciples, among the audience were the Pharisees. They were those who were lovers of money. And Jesus knew that. Let's look at the parable itself. The story is simple, but with unusual setting. In most of Jesus' parables, the main character is either a representative of God, Christ, or another positive character. However, in this parable, the steward and the rich man, whose possessions he manages, are both wicked and unsavory characters. This is important. Jesus is not wanting his disciples, or us, to emulate or copy the behavior of these characters, but to highlight a much larger principle. Now, the parable starts with the rich man corning his steward before him. The steward had the authority of all his master's resources and could conduct business in his name and therefore requires the rich man to have the utmost trust in the steward. The steward was informed that he will be relieving him of duties on the account of mismanaging his master's resources. At this stage, the master is probably not aware of the steward's dishonesty. Remember, he has been released for apparent mismanagement, not fraud. Realizing that he'll soon be out of a job, the steward makes some shrewd deals behind his master's back by reducing the debt owed by some of the master's debtors in exchange for shelter. However, the master becomes aware of this, and how does he react? He commends or praises him, if you like, for his shrewdness. In verse 8, Jesus begins by saying, For the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Jesus is referring to the sons of the world as unbelievers and sons of light as believers. Unbelievers are wiser in in the things of this world and believers are about the things of the world to come. The steward is unjust. Once he knew he was about to be put out, he quickly set about to collect quick cash, cheat his master, who himself was likely cheating his customers, and make friends of his master's debtors. The plan being the debtors would then be obliged to care for him once he lost his job. So what does this have to do with believers being wise about the life to come? Well, Jesus' teachings on wealth is also in the Sermon of the Mount, where Jesus encourages followers to lay up treasures in heaven. Matthew six nineteen to 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But back to this parable, in verse 9, Jesus says, And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you unto the eternal dwellings. It is here where readers of this can go wrong, and it is the understanding of the term unrighteous or worldly wealth. Jesus is not saying that we should gain wealth unrighteously and then be generous with it. It is most likely unrighteous is in the reference to the corrupting influence wealth can have and which often leads to people to commit unrighteous acts. Wealth is not inherently evil. However, it's the love of money that can lead to all sorts of sin. 1 Timothy 6.10 uh, 6, says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered, wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Jesus is trying to convey the principle of a just steward rather than an unjust one. The unjust steward saw his master's resources as a quick means of his own personal gain. Jesus wants his followers to be just, righteous stewards. If we understand everything we own is a gift of God, We then realize that God is the owner of everything and that we are his stewards. And as such, we are to use the master's resources to further his goals. We are to be generous with our wealth, even if we don't have a lot. Remember, wealth does also refer to our faith and gifts from God to use it for the benefits of others. If you don't feel you have a gift from God, then pray about it, ask. Jesus then expands on this in verse 10 to 12. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, true riches is referring to stewardship and responsibility of God's kingdom along with the accompanying heavenly rewards. The verse continues, and if you haven't been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you, you, you property of your own? Finally, verse 13, Jesus says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the ever, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If God is our master, then our wealth will be at his disposal. I read the following, which I thought sums that up. The faithful and the just steward, whose master is God, will employ that wealth in building up the kingdom of God. Now, I just want to expand on this, if I may, because I think there's a a bigger picture to this. You see, there are other examples of possible masters that we allow ourselves to be governed by if we're not careful. During my research into various thoughts and notes on reading this, I came across one note from Joyce Mayer, the American Christian minister and author. She mentions that years ago that she served as an assistant pastor for some considerable time. She loved this ministry and the people within the church. But God told her to leave and start her own ministry. But for a while she stayed in an attempt to ignore God's calling. Her comfort of staying became her master until things changed and she realized that God's calling was indeed the right way to go. And the rest is history. Now here in this church, we have had three to five people from this church alone who have received a calling from God. Some to go into ministry, another to help plant a church, and another to serve and raise money abroad. Some of them would say that they had a very comfortable lifestyle and wage, and yet they gave it up to follow the calling they had received and thank the Lord they did. This has led me to think about the other kinds of masters we can be governed by. Addiction, drugs, alcohol, pornography, adultery. These can all keep you from a true serving to God, and indeed your relationship with Him. Even grief can let you do the same if you let it. A specific event in the past, especially a traumatic one, can stop you in your tracks. But what happens to a lot of us, and quite frequently, is what people have said to you in the past which is a result and has held you back, knocked your confidence so that you're trying to seek approval from everybody, which is impossible, and preventing you from taking that step forward or that leap of faith. People have maybe said to yourself, you're too weak, you can't do this. You're fooling yourself. Who are you kidding? You can't do this. But God says, yes, you can. He sees the potential and the courage within you. Why? Because He loves you like any ever good father, or as we celebrate today, like any good mother. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we pray to serve you as loyal, loving, and just stewards. We ask for guidance and leadership to give, share and love others in this world. Help us to be brave and realize our true potential and for protection against false harmful masters which could govern us and get in the way of our relationship with you. We may not be aware of any gifts given by you, Lord. Teach us to be patient and listen with open hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.